today's episode of High Tech Sunday, Lango Dean and Dr. Mark Vaughn sit down with the 2019 Women of Color STEM Conference Technologists of the Year, Dr. Pamela McCauley, for a thought-provoking conversation on her work as an internationally recognized industrial engineering researcher and her work on the biomechanics of body-worn cameras for law enforcement officers. Without further delay, Lango Dean. Thank you, Brandon. Welcome back to Career Communications Group High Tech Sunday. It's the podcast started by Career Communications Group to help us all live through challenging times. The first podcast went out on June 7th. After more than six months into a year of lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, and a record number of COVID-19 deaths, and a staggering number of job losses across America. In case you're wondering what Career Communications is all about, since 1985, Career Communications Group, or CCG as we like to call it, has created an inspiring group of magazines, websites, and national conferences that provide a powerful forum to find and retain the best and the brightest people in science, technology, engineering, and math. Over the last 30 years, CCG has connected our audience of professionals, college and university students, and pre-college students with the organizations that have the potential to fulfill their STEM career goals. Each week on this CCG-sponsored podcast, we speak with leaders in STEM and we help CCG alumni connect, collaborate, and share stories. In our first episode, Dr. Mark Vaughan, who's back with us today, spoke about personal and economic loss during the pandemic. He also talked about how technology was helping everyday people, communities, and the human space industry, where he started as an intern, Reset and Rise. Quite appropriately, Reset and Rise is the theme of Korea Communications Group upcoming Women of Color STEM Conference, which is just over 100 days from now. The theme Reset and Rise serves as a metaphor for our times. There's a pandemic, social injustice, and civil rights challenges faced by a new generation more than 50 years after the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Our second episode features Dr. Pamela McCauley, 2019 Women of Color Conference Technologies of the Year. She is an industrial engineer and a researcher. She's also an advocate for representation of women of color and more achievement, fairness, and opportunity in science, technology, engineering, and math. Dr. McCauley is a university leader, a seasoned entrepreneur and innovator. From 2018 to 2020, she served as a National Science Foundation Innovation Corps or I-Corps program director. She is known for significant work in the development of fuzzy set theory-based mathematical models. Don't ask me where that is. Uh, human engineering, ergonomics, biomechanics, 
going to talk more about that, as well as engineering leadership. And of course, women's leadership. You know, that's my thing in STEM. She's also an acclaimed keynote speaker and is currently the Associate Dean of Academic Programs in the Wilson College of Textiles at North Carolina State University. Welcome, Dr. McCauley, and of course, welcome back, Dr. Vaughn. Thank you, Lango. Pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot, Lango. Appreciate the introduction, and uh, I extend my welcome as well, Dr. McCauley. Such a, a great privilege to have the opportunity to welcome you to High Tech Sunday. Uh, to get the conversation started, uh, it is always interesting to hear about a person's journey. Uh, those of us who are part of the Career Communications Group family uh, with Black Engineer of the Year and Women of Color know that you are somewhat of a fixture uh, on the national scene. But how is it that you got started in the area of STEM and engineering in the first place? Well, uh, I really am such a, um, um, still a fan and uh, the Career Communications Group family. I mean, what you all do is so amazing, but you asked me how I got started. Well, I'll take you way back. Uh, when I was a little girl, we would uh, visit my grandmother in Oklahoma City in the country. And we would always, in the summertime, um, beg to sleep outside on the patio on the rollaway bed. And that's when I would look up and gaze up at the stars and I absolutely fell in love uh, with the constellations and, and wanted to know what stars were made of. And, and that really began my love for science. And so, uh, and then of course, my father always made sure that we took math. And so we had to take math classes every year, whether we needed them or not. And so I uh, enjoyed math as well. So I think I had the foundation to be comfortable with a STEM major um, early on. Uh, now, my father told me I was smart, so I should become a doctor. And um, so I started out as pre-med. And uh, while I loved studying the, <clears throat> the human body and math and science, I realized pretty quickly that I didn't like the sight of blood. <laughs> and in fact, I got kind of lightheaded at it. So it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to study um, medicine. And so what I did, though, I, I actually went to the library and learned about other engineering disciplines. And this is back in the day when you had to go to the library, you had to go up steps and open doors and pull out card catalogs. So I actually went to the library and I learned about industrial engineering. And it said that there's an area within industrial engineering that's ergonomics and biomechanics. And that looked at the study of people in the workplace or people, the study of the human body's movement. And so I saw then that I could use my, my interest in the human body and still study engineering. And, and so that was when I switched uh, to industrial engineering. Wow, that, that's really a great story. And uh, it certainly is a, a good thing, I guess, for the engineering community that uh, the pre-med didn't work out as uh, your father had hoped. Uh, so, so thinking about the, the area of industrial engineering and looking at your CV, uh, you are a certified professional ergonomist. And uh, we see that from the introduction uh, you also are an administrator and professor uh, in the Wilson School, the Wilson College of Textiles at North Carolina State University. What is it that 
that you are focused on in your research uh, as it pertains to biomechanics these days? Well, um, that's one of my that's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So even though I'm an administrator, I still very much um, am engaged in research. And I'll just share a little bit about some of the recent research that I did. Um, I have studied the biomechanics of body worn camera for law enforcement officers, and of course. This obviously is something that's very timely as we think about what's going on today. And um, a, lot, a lot of times people don't think about the science that has to go into some of these decisions. That means if they're made well. And the, the reason that I got involved in this is because um, my former institution was the University of Central Florida in Orlando and Orange County Sheriff, um, the Orange County Sheriff's Office um, was considering implementing body-worn cameras. And so they wanted to have a study done to look at the different types of body-worn cameras as they were making these decisions. Uh, and so we, we all know that there, there are tremendous advantages to body-worn cameras. I mean, uh, for example, the, the four primary reasons that they like to see them used because they improve officer safety, uh, but they also increase the evidence quality. Uh, and then they reduce the number of civilian complaints. And uh, also, a lot of people don't think about this, but they reduce an agency's liability because you do have actual footage, because if you have five people see the same thing, you're probably going to get five different stories told. But if you have that camera there, that provides some additional assurance. So um, I was really excited to do that study, and I had officers in my, my ergonomics lab, and so we were uh, actually uh, having them do many of the maneuvers that they would do, such as running and jumping off. Uh, they would jump off the treadmill as if they were going to apprehend someone, and then we would um, evaluate how well the body-worn camera was able to stay in position uh, if it was able to still collect the uh, kind of information that was needed. And so, you know, th that's something that I, I feel like is a real contribution. That's one of the things I love so much about my research. Um, I really do try to do what, what the new term has become, youth-inspired research. So research that's going to be easily translatable into the community so that it can make a difference. When you mentioned, uh, Dr. McCauley, the need for policy impact uh, and the role that technology can play, uh, I think about Langle's question and the fact that it really was technology that was deployed that brought us all into the reality of the George Floyd homicide. Uh, there have been times when those kinds of actions were taken and no one knew about it, no one heard about it. Uh, and and as we've said, High Tech Sunday is a, a merger, if you will, of both the technology and, and more of the spirituality that we all have. And we were talking, as you recall the other day, about uh, the idea of being each other's brother's keeper. Uh, you saw that, I believe, uh, during that tragic undertaking in Minneapolis. People were trying to be their brother's keeper. They were trying to come to George Floyd's aid. And even since his passing, I believe that the outpouring of support for his family and the protection of his legacy has been all about the fact that at the root, all of us really do, I believe, want to protect each other, want to support each other. Yeah. It's the vast, vast, vast 
um, majority of us, even those in law enforcement, you, you have, you know, bad performers in every sector, but the majority of us certainly want to have an impact. And so you can probably guess where I'm going with impact. Um, not only policies, but processes. And in your work, I believe as a, a Jefferson Science Fellow, highly distinguished opportunity that you had um, uh, as part of the National Found Science Foundation uh, dealing with HIV and AIDS. Uh, I was really excited to read about your approach that is called IMPACT, and it looks at innovation uh, applied to critical technologies. Can you talk about that? Because I'm really interested to know what you think about its modularity and how it can apply to other areas of endeavor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I um, had a, I was really fortunate and blessed to have an opportunity to serve as a Jefferson Science Fellow and, and in that, the Jefferson Science Fellow program is um, a nationwide program that uh, pairs senior scientists with the State Department uh, and, and sometimes USAID uh, to really understand how to introduce science into policy making. And so in that role, I was actually with the office called the KEPA office, which stands for the President's Emergency Program for AIDS Relief. And what they were interested in was my industrial engineering background, and as well as my um, ergonomics um, experience and expertise, because they were interested in understanding how to introduce innovation into the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process in developing countries. And this is obviously very important because we still have a lot of uh, HIV and AIDS in the, in the world, but particularly in developing countries, and we're expecting a population explosion on the African continent. Um, so I actually spent uh, some time in Malawi, went to Malawi a couple of times, and also to Bangkok to really study this HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process. And um, I said to folks, and I may have said it to, to you all before, that I don't think I've ever been more aware of the potential impact of my engineering knowledge because in a situation like that, in the, in the uh, impact model that I developed, we looked at the uh, service delivery process and where to introduce technology and innovations and also just to improve uh, process efficiency. Uh, and to know that even small changes could result in tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people having access to life-saving uh, healthcare was was staggering to me, and so um, I, I always say this to to young folks who uh, every now and then meet someone who say, "Well, I don't I don't want to be a STEM professional because I want to I want to touch the world. I want to make a difference in the world." And I'm like, "Honey, I mean, STEM professionals are making a difference in the world every single day." And again, and and that time it was just so powerful to me to see how engineering uh, innovations and improvements could impact the lives of so many. So um, I did, did that work for about a year and then continued the project uh, under a contract with the World Bank uh, to continue to look at how to improve efficiency uh, with the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery. And that was probably one of the uh, projects in my career that I'm, I'm most proud of. That really is such important work uh, that you've influenced, and and I think that it's inspirational to not just those who uh, are perhaps thinking a middle schooler, high schooler about possibly uh, a STEM career, but definitely those who are in college at the undergraduate graduate level. Uh, it really is no kidding 
making a difference through these pursuits. And so uh, hats off to you about that. Um, it, it, it is um, something that isn't lost on us. We heard in the introduction uh, that you had the honor of being the 2019 Women of Color Technologist of the Year. Uh, what wasn't mentioned that I think is pretty significant is that apparently you were the first academic that was selected for that honor. Uh, and so for you to be able to bridge between uh, those in industry and those in academia um, is no small feat. I've come to realize that myself. And so what is it that you find to be so important about being a part of uh, uh, recognition opportunities like Women of Color because you have been part of the National Advisory Board long before you were an honoree. Uh, why is why is this so important to be a part of? Well, I mean, it's, it's so important to be, for me, to be a part of the Career Communications Group uh, family and, and including the Women of Color and Black Engineer of the Year because I see the, the impact that these programs have, um, not just once a year, but throughout the year, how they so positively impact the, the community by sharing the achievements of men and women of color. Also, we've created a community where you can come and you have that network that supports you. So, if you, because sometimes uh, we forget when we all come together and you look across the room and you see 10 black engineers or of five female engineers of color or scientists around you, and then you go back to your place of employment and you are one, um, you're all by yourself. So that isolation has been really difficult for some of us in our careers. But to have a group like the CCG family and our annual conference and that network, I have built up such a powerful network of relationships just by attending uh, these uh, events. And then also, it warms my heart to see the young people there, to, for them to be able to come to a place and see not just uh, that, hear that someone is an engineer or a, a woman of color is a scientist or a leader in the military, but to actually be able to see them, to hear them, uh, to talk to them. And so to, to know the kind of impact that we're having uh, in these communities as a network of support for each other. Um, as role models and examples for those who are coming after us. Um, but also just um, knowing that we are, because we do have the support system, we can be inspired to, and, uh, to fly and achieve the things that, that we may not have achieved without that support. And I, I'm telling you, to be, when I, I, when I was told that I was a 2019 Technologist of the Year, I mean, I, I just broke down. It was one of the greatest honors of my life because I have such respect for the individuals in this community. Uh, and I, I know how much um, is done here to make that difference. So it was, it was such an honor. And it's been an amazing year being the technologist of the year. So, uh, but I, I do, I, I, will, I, would, I would want every person who's even thinking about a STEM career, to, um, every young person to attend one, of, one or both of those meetings. It, it's life changing. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Lango Dean, Dr. Mark Vaughn, and our special guest, Dr. Pamela McCauley. This week's episode is brought to you by the 2020 Women of Color STEM Conference. 
taking place in Detroit, Michigan and online from October 8th through the 10th. And now, a word from our sponsor. From waves of change come oceans of opportunities. This has always been our Women of Color STEM Conference message and mission. Now more than ever, we are expanding our rich history and track record of hosting live streamed award shows and interviews, virtual job fairs, learning and networking experiences to complement our on-site events. We're primed and ready to respond to the challenges from COVID-19 as we reset to rise at our 2020 Women of Color Hybrid STEM Conference on October 8th through the 10th. The world is counting on us. Come ride the waves of change as you explore our limitless oceans of opportunities that can enrich, inspire, connect, and support your continued professional and personal growth that have always been the hallmarks of our women-driven conference. Together, we can help our nation's industries, government, academia, and the military reset, reinvent, and re-energize. Whether you experience our 2020 Women of Color Hybrid STEM Conference in person or in the comfort of your homes or offices, our physical and digital worlds are coming together in a new direction with an innovative conference platform. Take advantage of distance learning with more expansive seminars and continuing education credits. Attend our job fair in person or virtually. Experience the unmatched expertise of women leaders through invaluable training sessions. Be entertained at our awards events and much more. As always, you belong here within our trusted community. Ride the waves of change as we reset to rise. The world is counting on us. Again, the 2020 Women of Color STEM Conference takes place in Detroit, Michigan and online from October 8th through the 10th. Now, back to the show. Uh, so Dr. McCauley, again, um, I think that uh, the inspiration is clear. The example is also outstanding. Uh, and there was a mention in the introduction that Lango covered about other experiences that you've had in partnership with the National Science Foundation, uh, notably with i -Corps. And so that certainly is a program that allows you uh, to have provided leadership for establishing a framework that will allow young up and coming scientists and engineers uh, to explore entrepreneurial pursuits in particular. Can you say a little bit about that work and how it is that uh, you came to be a part of it? Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Innovation is so important. Now, in addition to being a professor, I've also been an entrepreneur. So I've owned a, 
uh, started a couple of engineering corporations. Uh, so for about the last 20 years, I've, I've owned an engineering business. And, and it made me a better faculty member because it really did help me understand how to do research that could be more readily uh, applicable in, in these environments. And we've seen such a compression of the innovation cycle, and that's largely due to technology. And so it's really important that we understand how to effectively innovate. And the i program, or the Innovation Corps at the National Science Foundation, I was a fan of that before I became a program director because I took one of the products in my company through the i program. And what the i program is, is a, a process that actually teaches STEM professionals how to innovate. Because as much as we're taught in terms of theory and science, and, and <clears throat> we can write papers that are peer-reviewed and go to conferences and talk about technology and innovation, but what many scientists fail to do is to have that customer interaction or really understand how the innovation, the technology, the concept that they're creating should be used and applied um, by the end user. And so what i does, it actually forces them to think not just about the science, but about the idea, the customer. And so it's, it's, it's centered on customer discovery. So it requires, and we say we have to get out of the building. So get out of the lab. Uh, don't look at your equipment. Go out and talk to customers. And what we found with i program is once people go through that program, and now a few things happen once you go through that. One, you have a, a much greater understanding of your market segment. Um, oftentimes your concept will, what we call pivot, because you might have had one, there was one concept that was supposed to be used for, for paint, actually a type of paint enhancer. Well, when the i team got out the field and started talking to customers, they realized that it had a much better application in the cosmetic industry. So they pivoted and it became a cosmetic industry product that was uh, very well received in the cosmetic industry. So you understand market segment. You also understand what the customer's needs are, and you have a much greater chance of that idea becoming a successful business enterprise. So some of the outcomes associated with i we've seen that when uh, people take an idea through the, uh, a team takes an idea through the i program, they have about a three to four times greater chance of attracting follow-on funding whether that's um, federal grant funding in the form of the Small Business Innovative Research Grant or Small Business Technology Transfer Research Grant or private funding, angel investing or um, uh, private equity. So there's many reasons to go through the i program. And I'll tell you, Dr. Vaughn, a big part of the reason that I went to NSF is because I did not see enough people of color participating in the i program. And so I, I try very hard to live a purpose-driven life, and a big part of my purpose for going there was to make sure that our communities of color uh, and also more women became aware of the i program. And I'm, I'm really happy to say that we, uh, while I was there, uh, we held a innovation inclusion summit where we had uh, over 70 historically black colleges there. We had about 20 of the tribal colleges and universities there, and we had um, scores of probably about 60 of the Hispanic-serving institutions there. And so, I mean, it, it's so important from a, a national perspective that we have a diversity among our innovators, because right now, only 8% of America's innovators 
are people of color, are underrepresented minorities. And so that that needs to change. And I think the i program is a place where we can really see big change happening in that area. Thank Absolutely. you, Dr. McCauley. Um, thank you, Dr. Bond. Uh, s sorry to, to, to butt in there. I was just going to say, um, how are you, as the 2019 Technologies of the Year, um, going to excite, inspire, uh, motivate uh, young women, young girls to participate in the upcoming conference? Uh, and also, um, it's not just young women, it's uh, their families, uh, mothers, fathers, brothers, uncles, um, uh, it, well, invested people, of course, in STEM. How, how are you going to move that forward? Well, I think one way to move that forward is to, to tell them to take a look around. And as you look at so many of the things that are happening today, whether it's the pandemic and how we're responding in the pandemic by leaning on technology such as Zoom or GoToMeeting or, or um, WebEx to communicate to get some um, medical treatment, um, or whether it's uh, the uh, social unrest and how, um, as was just pointed out by Dr. Vaughn, how technology, the fact that the, the um, homicide was captured on video and then disseminated all over the world, how technology is in fact, all around us. And if we do want to have an impact, uh, coming to the Women of Color and Technology Conference, coming to the Black Engineer of the Year Conference, that allows you to, to uh, rub elbows and, and really sit down and connect with people who are about the solution. So all of us are about fixing these things, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's the uh, social inequality, whether it's giving you know, access for everyone, to uh, equal health care. So all of these STEM is all over the solutions. And so I would encourage a young person, a family, uh, anyone to come if they want to improve the quality of life for themselves and be a better brother's keeper than attending the Women of Color and Technology Conference or the Black Engineer of the Year Conference is a great place for them to be. Amen, Dr. McCauley. Over to you, Dr. Vaughn. Thank you so much, and and I certainly concur as well. Uh, I was really um, excited to hear your reference uh, earlier, Dr. McCauley, about a purpose-driven life. Uh, uh, you you're certainly familiar with the book by Pastor Rick Warren that came out several years ago, and I think that again, if we think about the pursuit of or the application of the work that we all uh, have invested in uh, on the technology front, we are hoping to make life better uh, by what we do. And so I want to move back to uh, another role that you have currently. We talked about it a little bit ago uh, at the Wilson College of Textiles. Uh, as you know, and we were certainly um, reminded of this palpably, uh, that we have uh, uh, crossed another sobering milestone in the United States with over 120,000 lives lost due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, when you think about textiles, I know that you have great interest in applying that part of your skill set uh, to uh, PPE. Can you talk about that work? Sure. We've done a good um, amount of work looking at personal protective equipment um, 
probably back during the Ebola uh, outbreak, uh, just before I went to the Department of State. So looking at how uh, healthcare workers can remain safe um, and yet still have the um, dexterity and they need a flexibility to perform their tasks as healthcare workers. Well, that with Ebola, we were you know, primarily concerned about healthcare workers, but what this pandemic has done, it has opened up an entirely new uh, research area that is needed uh, as well as application area as it relates to PPE and uh, different occupations. So people in restaurants are going to need personal protective equipment, even athletes. So, you know, and we we're talking about the Olympics and so with textiles, so I'm trying to figure out, understand what, re understand and research, what is the best type of mask that allows you to still breathe comfortably uh, and yet you have a high level of protection. Uh, we have many team sports that we're going to see uh, trying to be played soon, whether it's here in the United States or you've got the Olympics coming up next year. So countries are terribly concerned and want to understand how do we design um, materials using the appropriate textiles and fabrics so that people are safe, so that it's functional, so that it's secure. I mean, it's, what about an Olympic sprinter and the, a traditional mask? may not work for them. Uh, do we build them in, do build masks into uh, their shirts and their uniforms? So there's so many new questions that this pandemic has created and we're, we don't get to wait five or 10 years to answer them. I mean, we've got to get right on these because it, it's a matter, literally a matter of life and death, but it's also a matter of quality of life and economic impact. I mean, you're, think about it, how much, how many of us when uh, we were told to stay home, could hardly wait to get back out into a restaurant and have somebody serve us food. But would we do that if we weren't comfortable? Probably not. So understanding how to use textiles, whether it's in uh, uniforms, PPE, uh, or other types of material barriers so that we can keep workers safe, but we can also keep the, the public. So it's a matter of public health as well, keep the public safe as we venture into these new places and new spaces. That's so important. And again, a great demonstration of how technology uh, is actually going to be needing to be leveraged to make an impact in this current environment. Lango, I know that we're getting short on time. If I could ask one more question uh, of Dr. McCauley, um, I'm interested to know about the period between that little girl who was looking up at the stars on the rollaway bed. So I was going to ask you, uh, Dr. McCauley, there, there was some period of time between that little girl and the young woman who um, realized that pre-med was not really going to work for her. What was it that kept you inspired uh, as you were growing up to stay connected to STEM? Because we lose so many young people round about middle school, it seems. What was it that kept you connected? You know, I, I, I've been asked that question a few times. I really think it was um, my, my, my parents. Um, my, I told him my dad, he really he um, encouraged us to take math and he always told me I was smart and and I was gonna, you know, do good things. And my mother is the most optimistic person you'll ever meet. So even if I had a hard class or, or something was difficult, she would tell me, Well, you know you, you can figure this out, you can do do all of this and, and you know, she always had a scripture with it with it. So, you know, I could I can do all things through Christ, including algebra and calculus. 
So I was very, uh, <laughs> very uh-huh. encouraged in those spaces. And also, um, I think I saw, because my father, he was in the Army, and he, he worked um, on um, very technical projects, even though he wasn't a college graduate. Uh, I'm a first-generation graduate. But he would come home and talk about some of the things that he'd worked on, and it always encouraged me. And so, and he would say, "Get go to college. Go to. I need you to go to college and get your education." He said, "Because I have all this this experience, and these twenty one year old kids come in, and then they're my boss." He said, "So I want to make you make sure you get your education." So I think it was something that was um, made real to me by my family. And that's even amidst the challenges. Um, I became a young mother and even took my daughter to college with me. Um, And so even with that challenge, I still, um, to God be the glory, still felt like I could could attain my my, uh, educational goals and and particularly those in STEM. Uh, But I've also been very fortunate to have a good circle of people around me. And so uh, wherever I've, I've gone, I've always been, fortunate to be able to create that circle of support, and including the CCG family. I was 22 the first time I came to the Black Engineer of the Year conference. So it's, it's been really important for me to maintain a circle of support of people that um, do encourage me because the difficult times come, you know, the, the self-doubt will happen. Uh, and it's just uh, having those coping skills and having good people around you to help you um, navigate through those tough times, and you you can stay in in STEM, and you should stay in STEM. I mean, I just uh, I really do have to though. I think attribute it primarily um, to to my parents and to just being ex- excited when I saw the kind of things that uh, my dad did at work. Awesome. I think that there is so much that you just uh, really reminded us uh, about as you shared your testimony. The importance of having that community uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, And uh, it is something that all of us, again, getting back to that brother's keeper idea, all of us can be that uh, if we think about it to someone else, uh, especially uh, those who have established uh, a career, uh, reaching back to make sure that we are encouraging uh, others uh, that they can do all things, including STEM as well. Uh, So Lango, I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Dr. McCauley. It's been a, a great honor as I was uh, thinking about what I would say in closing, uh, I had written the, the, the idea, this woman is uh, the American dream. But then I crossed that out because, wow. it, but it looks to me like you are an example of what the American reality can be because of the fact that you shared that there have been some real things that you've had to overcome, but you did it. And I think that those are the kinds of things that we must continue to encourage each other around that, yep, STEM is hard. Yep, life gets tough, but you can absolutely achieve the purpose that God has endowed you with, uh, and it can change the world. So keep doing that because the reality isn't done yet. The story is still being written, I'm sure, about that. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Vaughn. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Vaughn, and thank you, Dr. McCauley, and 
she's a hero. And, um, you know, let me tell you a story, guys. Uh, many years ago, I, I was almost became a teenage mom. But here's Dr. McCauley, who was a teenage mom, and she is a world-famous engineer. So I come from a tiny little country that probably is of no significance for a lot of people, Sierra Leone. And here I am exposed to and, and talking to world-famous engineers like Dr. McCauley and Dr. Vaughn. So for all those little girls and little boys who think that, well, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Keep moving forward. Amen. Keep moving forward and learn from the positive people. There are lots of those people around. There are lots of good adults around and they will help you and keep moving forward. And learn from all the little science. There's science in everything you do. There's technology in everything you do. There's engineering in everything you do. And of course there's math. If you add one, one plus one and you get two, that's math. So keep doing that. Keep doing that and keep moving forward. And hey, don't forget subscribe to the mailing list for the podcast. You can listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube, or Facebook. Career Communications Group High Tech Sunday looks at professional development in technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies in a time when digital information is more critical than ever. Uh, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in STEM. And the community runs from national thought leaders like Dr. McCauley and Dr. Vaughn through to aspiring students in wherever you are. And this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. See you back here next week.